I went to the London March um, in support of the Palestinian people, and I didn't and I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, mm. I'd seen the ones, I'd seen the footage and the pictures from last week. I tweeted on the way there, and I was just like, the first thing I noticed when we got out of the station and started making our way to Marble Arch was just the diverse mix of people. I saw like people of all different races, religions, creeds, sexuality, everything, everyone, anything, any any person you can think of was represented there. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Black Canvas podcast. Hope we're all doing well under the circumstances. Um, yes, <laughs> we're back again today with another episode for you. Dems, how are you feeling? Um, not amazing. Mm-hmm. My mental health hasn't been great over the last week. Like, we've spoken about it um, in the group chat, but... Um, Shall I do a mini story time? Shall I? Yes. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. I think. I think I'm a little bit comfortable now talking about it. So, um, earlier in the year, I was um, clinically diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and um, it's also a symptom of something else that I'm currently getting clinically assessed for as well. And yeah, so it's been a crazy year, but the last few weeks have been good. But then. Not this week, the week before last, my partner had some really bad news with the work situation and that kind of compromised his mental health over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I didn't actually tell you, Tops, but that actually triggered me and my mental health and I had to kind of like compartmentalise it so I could support him. Oh, wow. Because mm. so I, I really needed to support him because it got to the point where he was, he shut down mm-hmm. and he was like losing lots of weight and was just like... In a just really like negative spiral so mm-hmm. I kind of had to like really like step up and support him and then it just got to the point like this like this week like Wednesday Thursday where I was just like right let's just have a break go away for a couple of days and just like decompress and stuff so we went away to Brighton over the weekend and just like just chilled mm-hmm. just had a chat about what's like been going on over the last couple of weeks of his like work situation and you know, we met a friend who's got um, an almost toddler, like 16, 17 months old. So, again, that was a great distraction for us because you know what babies are like. Like, yes. they're either <laughs> on or they're off. So, <laughs> so we were at our friend's house for, like, um, the afternoon, just, like, hanging out, chilling out with the baby and stuff. So that was a great distraction. And then we came back home on Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we... We kind of like de- that allowed us to kind of like decompress a little. Yeah, so I'm feeling a lot better now than I did like a few days ago. But that was a long-winded way to say <laughs> I'm not feeling great. I'm feeling better than I did like a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, thank you for for sharing. We have we have like alluded to it in different episodes over the last couple of weeks, and you did mm. always say that when you felt comfortable sharing that you would share. So. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, and I'm just glad that you both were able to have that time away over the weekend. Mm. Because as we just were saying before, like sometimes as adults, like you just have to sometimes power th- through things. Sometimes mm. you don't get the opportunity to actually just either switch off or whatever, because life doesn't stop. 
Mm, like mm. we said, like tomorrow's Monday, like, yeah. and, and, you know, the week will start and you just have to get on with it. So yeah. if we hadn't have taken that break, we couldn't have gone into the next weekend. Like, okay, mm. nine o'clock Monday morning, got to do work. Like, mm-hmm. like it just would have like finished him. So I was just like, right, let's just take the week, take the weekend. Let's go do something random. Yeah. Decompress a little. Mm-hmm. Talk about what's going on. And then we can like come back into the new week. Like, um, just a bit more like level-headed yeah and yeah maybe and also a bit lighter as well because yeah, you were yeah. able to kind of like yeah yeah brilliant you're you're a fantastic partner by the way thank you you know I try my best you know? yeah well I mean I'm gonna let you know <laughs> that you are like, I'm not even just saying that but you are the fact that you were able to recognize you know what your partner needed in yeah. that moment and even though you're going through your own things you just were like all right I'm gonna put that to the side for one second Mm. And he needs like this is an immediate need, and I need to deal with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. So yeah, kudos to you. Yeah. Um, so would you say that was your highlight of the week? Yeah, like the the Saturday was kind of like my highlight because like we fully kind of like had to like we decompress. Mm. Also, like the march was going on during that day as well, so I was kind of like checking in with what was going on with that and just seeing. Obviously, I was very emotional, like, that whole weekend. And yeah. just, like, seeing that, like, on my timeline. And, like, seeing, like, you guys there, like, you um, and Tiffany and Basayo there. And just, like, just just the whole energy. Even though I wasn't there, just I could just, like, feel the energy, like, through my phone. And it just got to the point where I, I, I kind of, like, broke down and cried. Because, obviously, I was really emotional anyway. But then just seeing that, it just kind of... It was almost like, I think we talked about it in the group chat, just like a glimmer of hope for humanity. Yeah. Like, I know you probably felt that there, but I kind of, I, I even felt like a sliver of that mm. seeing it and just feeling like, oh my God, like things could change if we just focused on like unity and community. Like, Oh, absolutely. And I, and I was just like, oh my God, like, do you know when you feel like you're almost, it's like you're witnessing history and like, the needle is moving a little bit to your advantage and it's just like, oh my God, like something can be done. Yeah. The whole, we spent the last like three or four years like thinking nothing, nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to get better. And then this happens and you've got like 300,000 people marching and it's just like things can change if we come together. And obviously we were decompressing that weekend, but it kind of lifted my spirit a little bit as well. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Saturday was definitely like a highlight of the week. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. What about you? How are you feeling? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm. I think I am. I'm. I'm okay. I. I feel like with everything that's been going on in the world, like outside of just obviously my day to day life and you know dealing with kids, family, whatever. Mm. I would say my primary focus has really just been on what's been going on in Palestine, like the palace with the Palestinian people, like my socials let me tell you you are consistent when i tell you about consistency (laughs) oh my god like on it i don't even know what it has just it is it's it's touched me in a way that i didn't i didn't even expect it would do you know what i mean yeah the way it touched you like i've never seen like this side of you before we've known each other for a while but yeah i've just never seen like you that just like go for it especially like on social media as I well. mean I have just like whenever there's things been going on in the world like we have been fairly involved with 
quite, you know, significant things that have happened in the world. We try and do our bit. So I'm not new to like, we're not new to kind of speaking out on things. We kind of, if there's an injustice, generally we are there and we will say some things, we'll do what we can. You know, I've always been someone who um, I will donate to anything that I feel like is a worthy cause, right? Mm. And that's just what I do for some reason. And I don't know whether it's just because my mental state hasn't been what I've been used to the last few months. I don't know whether that's why it's kind of touched me in a certain way, but like Mm. I have cried over this situation. And I think the reason why as well, I didn't think it would hit me the way it has is because this is not new. Like the situation in Palestine is not new. And we said this last week that we're of a particular age. So what's been happening to the Palestinian people we've, we've somewhat known about for most of our lives um, you know, with Israel and that's called the Israeli and Palestinian conflict. Like we've kind of always known about it, mm. but just the last few weeks, it has touched me in a way that I have not been able to ignore. Mm. Like, you know, when there's just something niggling at you that you can't ignore it, like that's what this is. Like I feel such a conviction to use my voice and my platform in whatever way that mm. I've just been, I've just, I've not questioned it. I've just gone for it. Mm. Um, and that's just what I've been doing. And I would say that if I was going to say a highlight for me, um, I went to the London March yesterday in support. Dems has already mentioned it um, in support of the Palestinian people. And I didn't, and I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, mm. I'd seen the ones, I'd seen the footage and the pictures from last week. Um, but I didn't really know what to expect. And I tweeted on the way there. And I was just like, the first thing I noticed when we got out of the station and started making our way to Marble Arch was just the diverse mix of people. Mm. I saw, I would say, every possible demogra- demographic you can think of on the planet. Mm. I saw like people of all different races, religions, creeds, sexuality, everything, everyone. Mm. Anything, any any person you can think of was represented there, mm. and it and it gave me, I was overwhelmed. Like I remember me and Tiffany saying that like we wanted to cry, because mm. it was just like we all left our houses today, and you know me, I don't like to leave my house if it's raining, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, but we were all there. People were there with their families, with their buggies, with their kids, with their parents. Like it just. It honestly gave me such a sense of pride and it made me feel so warm inside that, wow, people actually care. Mm. Do you know what? Like, And if you just sat in your house and if you just watched the media, like the BBCs and the CNNs, you would get a completely different version of what's going on. Mm. But to mm. be out there myself and see it with my two eyes, I was just like, there is absolutely nowhere else on this planet I would rather be right now than being stood here marching alongside all these different people and we just have one thing in common right now and is that we want to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Mm. And that in itself was, it's it's honestly an experience that I will never forget. Like I will hold that with me for the rest of my life. Mm. So when people are like, well, what can I do? Or, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you can show up. Yeah, show up and show out. That's what you can do. You can show up. It, it it was just like, because I get asked, I've been getting asked a lot every now and again, like, you know, why do I care so much? 
And I'm just like, I don't know why you don't. Right. That's my, I, I don't know why you don't. Like I, I, I definitely have, there have definitely a few causes over the years that has, have been quite close to my heart. Of course they have been. I and mean, we all lived through 2020. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? We all lived through seeing that on, you know, the video and what happened after that with Black Lives Matter. We, I, I'm not new to caring about causes, but there's just something just different with this one. And hmm. I just can't ignore that conviction. So I'm just doing whatever I can. And if you're, if you're currently following me and you're sick of the post, well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you could just unfollow me because it's not going to stop. Right? It's not going to stop. It's so interesting because it was like, like reportedly like 300,000 people. And it's just like, could you imagine like 300,000 people marching from one part of central London to the other? Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's crazy. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was thinking today that um, like it's very similar to the march that people were doing like in the early 2000s for the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar because obviously like Bush and Tony Blair were like, oh my God, Bin Laden. He had yeah, like construction. Yeah. But there was like no evidence to suggest it, but they were just like, right, we're going to go to war. Yeah, they're like, um, If there's no evidence of weapons of mass destruction, then isn't this an illegal war? And mm-hmm. that and that was that that was kind of like the um before there was a hashtag the hashtag for the uh, march it was like this is an illegal war the illegal war in Iraq and literally there were like thousands of I remember it thousands and thousands and thousands of people marching in central London against this war in Iraq and it's just interesting how um, history will always repeat itself until mm. you look back and listen and learn from it and then make the right decisions yeah and i think like this march obviously probably the biggest actually the march in the early 2000s was the biggest march of its time yeah now this march is the biggest march in europe and it's just like history is literally repeating itself and you know politicians mainstream media just aren't they just aren't getting it it's just like, like we said before, this like massive grab for power and no one wants to let go of their power. Mm-hmm. Now we keep on coming into these cycles of like civil wars where now people around the world are having to like say to their prospective governments, uh, are you mad? We need to stop all this fighting. We need to like have peace. People don't need to die for us to get along. Right. And it's just, I just found it so bizarre just thinking about it and I was just like, yeah, this is like just almost like the uh, the march for um, against the Iraq War, mm-hmm. but it's like we can literally stop all of this now. But I mean, the UN the UN did try to call for a ceasefire, and the colonial horsemen um, mm-hmm. voted either voted against it or dis- or didn't vote at all. They abstained from the vote. Every, yeah. So there was only like there were only two countries that voted against or abstained, and that meant that no, there was no ceasefire, because I presume I didn't I was I didn't read into it because this was over the weekend. Mm. I presume everyone has to say yes or no. I presume. I uh, you I or you abstain, and yeah. the UK and the US I believe abstained. So I mean the UK is always just going to follow whatever the US does. Yeah. Um, and they so my my thing was well what what possible reason could there be to say no to a ceasefire what what reason 
Um, and I, I, th- I think because we're not just seeing these protests in in the UK, we're, and, and not just in London, like they're all around the UK, they're in several cities across the UK. I, I saw a protest in Bucharest in Romania and I was like, yeah, Romanians, Romanians are protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, even, in, even in Tel Aviv and even in Israel, there are protests. They're calling for the prime minister, the president, like they're calling for them to resign, even in Israel. Mm. So the, 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 the thing that I was just so happy to see yesterday is that I'm witnessing collective resistance, mm. people coming together and saying no. That there's such power in that, and I've never been like the person who goes out and protests. Do you know what I mean? I've always been quite open about that. Um, I support the right to protest all that, but you know, I've used my voice in other ways. Mm. Um, I put my money where my mouth is. Mm. Um, but there's just something that's kind of changed with me this year that I've just felt that there's absolutely so much more I could be doing. And I think we're also getting really frustrated with the government. Yeah. We're getting really frustrated with the media, the propaganda machine. Mm. Um, it's just been really frustrating seeing only one side shared, um, seeing the, a history being erased right in front of us. Mm. And I'm thinking, no, but we can actually see this with our eyes. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's still happening. So for me... For anyone else who, you know, went out there or who who's undecided about whether they should protest or whatever, I would just encourage you to go. There is there is another march coming up um, next Saturday, which is the 28th of October. Mm-hmm. So there's another march coming up on the 28th of October. Um, if you're listening to this and you've never been to a protest or you've not, you're not sure what it is that you can do to kind of help the situation in Palestine. Like I would encourage you to go, go out there and see for yourself. Like don't, we've been lied to for so long. Like Dems just spoke about the Iraq war. We've been lied to for so long and I'm just tired of it. I don't, I want to see things for myself. And I think when you're around other people who share the same, who share the same convictions, who who also have been tired with the media lying to us and who just want to show solidarity, there's such power in that. And it really does make, it empowers you to want to do more. It also empowers you and encourages you to know that your voice does matter. Mm. And that's what I felt yesterday. I felt that, no, actually, what I have to say and what I feel does matter. So if you want to go, please go. We will obviously always leave all the details of everything that we talk about. Um, So yeah, London March. Um, Big up London. I actually felt proud to be a Londoner. Yeah, I felt that as well. (laughs) When I found out that it was the the biggest turnout for the whole of Europe, I was like, yeah, Mm. for for once, this city isn't a dusty city anymore. I'm telling you. you, And and also, I was so happy to see Jeremy Corbyn speak. Oh, my God. That must have been so amazing. Oh, my day. Like, we had to... Once we got to the end of like where the, the march ends and where the stage was, we had to fight to get to the front. But I was like, no, 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 look, yeah, I am a short lady or shortish. I cannot see. And then, you know, like Tiffany and, and Busaya are taller than me. So they're like, what can you see? So they crouched down to my left one. They were like, no, 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 let's, let's get to the front. <laughs> so, so we're there like, in, and also it's pouring with rain, by the way. Yeah. So we're like oh. fighting to get to the front. I'm like, no, no, I need to see this man. And 
he has just always been on the right side of history. My always. goodness. My they they do not make politicians like him. They don't. The fact that he's even a politician in this in this dirty world, I'm just like, wow. It just makes you realize like when you think back, like looking back, do you remember the episode that we did for the general election? Mm. And just talking about, you know, wanting to just like we didn't want the conservatives to get in. I historically had voted the Green Party, but this time I voted Labour because I was voting for Jeremy Corbyn because I believed in him. Yeah. Just thinking back to back then, I'd realise why he didn't get voted in. I realise why. Because he's about it. Yeah. And people just aren't ready to be about it. And look now, it's taken Brexit, it's taken a cost of living crisis, it's taken COVID, it's taken a genocide for people to, to even even dream of being about it. Not even being about it. People are only just now dreaming to be about it. Mm. But back then, it was like, oh, no, we can't. And then there was this whole, like, smear campaign against him. And it's just oh. like, when you look back and you just think, wow, what a wicked, wicked country we live in. We do. We do. It's just, it's terrible. And the fact that he is still getting up every day, He's coming to these marches. He's standing in solidarity with these people, even when it's not popular too. And that, and that, and that's the thing as well that I've been like saying to people who just, you know, if, if they want to have the conversation with me in the DMs and whatnot, it's like the quest for freedom at any point in history has never been an easy one. No. It's never been an easy one. Um, I think a lot of people can like find successfully distance themselves away from things like this because it's easy to think that, you know, this is something that you just push to like the history books, you know, like this mm. sort of happened in 1930s Germany or this happened, this was this, you know, the Haitian revolution, like, yeah, mm. they were great, but that was back then. And it's just like, we delude ourselves into thinking that a lot of these atrocities are in the past. Mm. We don't want to confront that this is still a very real reality. Like colonialism never stopped, it never ended. Never stops. It's it, still it, happening now. It's, yeah, it's still happening now. Um, and because we, and I think you know, Bisayo said this last week, that, you know, we get consumed with some of our luxuries in life, mm. a lot of our privileges in life, that, by the way, we only have because people fought for them, right? right. We They fought for them. So I feel that every generation has its thing. And I think we're now at a point where, like, this is this is our thing. Right. Mm. Like if we're going to if the Palestinian kids of tomorrow, the Palestinian babies, of if they're going to have a tomorrow, we need to fight for them now. We need to fight for them now the same way that the slaves revolted against the slave masters so that we could be free. Mm. This is like history just continues to repeat itself. Yeah. And that's why I can't stay silent, because I'm just like. I, 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 we will get into it later about the whole like you know people that are not speaking up and should they and what does that mean kind of thing but I wanted to get into I guess um the latest developments yeah so, yeah. so since we spoke last week there have been the bombing hasn't stopped and within the last week both President Biden and Rishi Sunak have landed in Israel to do handshakes to do handshakes and um, to be in solidarity with the um, 
with the Israeli um, prime minister or president. Is he the prim- prime minister or president? Because they think, have both, right? I think it's the prime minister. Either way, they met <laughs> with the Israeli government. And there was one thing that really sickened me. I mean, Rishi Sunak, it just, he makes my skin crawl anyway, because right. he, he just gives me very um, like small dick energy. Oh yeah. He gives me the, it's like he just wants to be, he wants to be at the big boy, like, you know, war crime table. Mm. And it's, he can't quite make it. Like he just gives me just like beg energy. Such a beg. Like Such literally, beg. like they, he ran so fast after President Biden, ran so fast after him to meet him in, his, in Israel. Mm. Just disgusting. He said in a speech that um, he wants, he wants him to win. And I'm like, what do you want him to win, Rishi? The genocide. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's like, a bizarre thing to say. It's not a game. Like people are die. Li- people are literally dying. Children, elderly people, disabled people, everyone, everyone is dying, and you're like, I, I-, I want them to win. It- it's just. It's, it's such know. a. It's such a bizarre thing to say, though. Like it's a really bizarre choice of words as well. Like I want him. I want you to win. Like Prime Minister, what's his name? Netanyahu. I want you to win. Like, it's just such a bizarre use of words that I just was just like, you You can't even like hide the fact that like you are here sanctioning war crimes. Mm. I keep thinking like, we keep talking about history and history. And it's mm. like, one day we are going to drop down dead and a hundred years in the future, we will be the history. Mm-hmm. And it will be like, okay, so what did you do? Because people are going to be writing things on the internet. There'll be history books. Where are you going to be? I know what I'm going to be, and I'm going to be on the right side of history. But then when you see Rishi Sunak being a dick like that, and it's just like, my God, the history books are going to be so awful in the Mm -hmm. future. Because this is the government that we had. This is the government that we had, and this is how some people are behaving around this government. And it's just like... I fear for our children, our children's children, what they read about us. I really do. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important for us to be documenting this. Mm-hmm. We're living in a time where we can take pictures and we can write things on the internet. You know, this podcast, for example, like these are all things that will be documented and archived as like as history, mm. as, you know, firsthand accounts of what's going on. And as you say, like just like you, I want to be on the right side of history. So as it stands in terms of what the latest developments are, like things have been happening really, really quickly. Every mm. day you wake up with like, oh God, like what now? So as of, so where we record, this is a Sunday. So as of today, in the last week, the Rafah border crossing between Egypt and Gaza, that was opened. Mm. They only allowed 20 aid trucks through. Oh my God. Um, and yeah, <laughs> 20, that's for 2 million people. Um, and you know this has been going on for like over a fortnight so they will they need way more than that um and humanitarian groups have said that that is a drop in the ocean so there's that israel have continued to keep up the heavy bombing of targets throughout gaza and prime minister um, netanyahu has promised to fight until victory and it's just very chilling to think about what victory means here Mm. They were, as we know, Hamas had taken some Israeli captives. They have released some of them. The most notable was Judith 
Ranan and her daughter Natalie. Um, and speaking of that, have you seen what Sean King has been talking about? Oh, not this one. No, I haven't, but I can only imagine because I, I just think good comes out of that person's mouth. Not on it, nothing. Like I'm only just going to take very just small, small, small sidebar on this because he has been tweeting a lot about how he has been working really hard for their release because they because they're American, right? And the family then, when they were then released by Hamas, the family then said that they don't know him. Right. They don't know him. So they basically have distanced themselves from him. They don't know who he is, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And Sean King comes out and tweets the longest thread I have seen in a very long time and basically says he tries to give evidence to say that the family are lying, that, Mm. yes, he does know them. And then he's and then in one of his tweets, he said, well, the reason why they're now wanting to distance themselves from me is because for fear of um, because because they're still in Israel. And they and right. the is apparently according to Sean King, the Israeli government aren't too fond of him. So the family have come out publicly to say they don't know him for their safety. So my thing is, if that's all true, Sean, why the hell are you tweeting about it? Right. He is a charlatan. He's lying, and it's just incredible to me that he can make an actual fucking genocide about himself. About himself, centering himself, mm-hmm. and even in that, even in his tweet thread they've they've had to put like a community message on mm-hmm. there saying the same thing like the family have said that they don't know who he is right. Do you know what I mean? just like it's just like even if we go down the road of saying okay he's telling the truth surely why would you want to endanger them more if if you're saying okay fine you did help or whatever is are you are you that much of a narcissist are you that much of a deranged human being that your desire to be in the spotlight outweighs their safety when a bloody war is happening right now. Like, right. really? Like you're in the US safe in your home tweeting from your phone and you feel that it was that important that you had to get this. He was providing screenshots and everything. It's just, it's a lot. It, it, it definitely is a lot. And we will get into like social media and the response and people talking about it and what they're doing and whatnot. But that is just the other side of it. When actually, like, people, even in times like this, people can centre themselves. And, and and it's just unfortunate that, like, he's managed to build some kind of a platform and he's still doing this. Like, I, I, when are people going to just be like, okay, this person is not for us? Right. But, and I still can't believe I've got so many mutuals still following him. But anyway. I, I mean, that's crazy. just, yeah. But we'll get on to what, what is actually important here. <laughs> Keeping on with um, the recent developments, so the death toll in Gaza has continued to rise. And at the moment, it is estimated over 4,200 people have been killed. um, And over 70% of that are women and children. Hmm. Um, More than 13,000 people have been injured. So now in terms of the human impact, Israel has also called on its citizens to immediately leave Egypt and Jordan. An estimated 200 Israelis, including 30 teenagers and young children and 20 people over the age of 60, are being held, are still being held captive in Gaza. Um, Hamas have made contact with the Israeli government to say that they are, they will release some hostages. Hmm. Um, Israel have rejected this. Uh, surely the whole point is for people <laughs> to be released. You would think so. The Israeli government just wants to like egg on a war. You like I'm no I'm no expert in this. I'm just 
I'm just you trying to use my brain the way God um, gave it to me, which is mm. if someone says we're going to release some of your hostages, why would you say no? Okay, albeit you want all of your hostages released, but surely you would take the crumbs that you've been given. These are human lives. These are people's lives. It just makes no sense. It almost feels like the Israeli government want this. They want this conflict to continue to carry on. Almost like they don't want peace. I mean, it just, I mean, I agree with you. I just think it's bizarre, but I just think it further highlights um, the fact that this isn't about Hamas. It never has been about Hamas. Um, And if they're saying, right, surely, you know, the, the whole, you'd want to be able to retrieve as many hostages as possible. Um, and if they are opening lines of communication and you're like, no, then what is this really about then? Exactly. Like with all the de- the devastation and the destruction that's gone on, it's just like, show me any Hamas person they've, they've, they've captured. Right. All, all the videos I see have literally just been of civilians. They've just been of civilians. And, and, and it, it's just been, it's just been disgusting to watch. Like that's literally all it's been. The carnage, the destruction, keeping, again, we're just keeping on with recent developments. Um, if we're going to focus on diplomacy now. So there was an international conference. Um, it was dubbed the Cairo Peace Summit. Mm. And it was a way to, I guess, to discuss how we de-escalate what's going on. Egypt opened the summit um, on Gaza and they tried to head off a wider regional war. But the two diplomats said it was unlikely there would be a joint statement from the gathering because of sensitivities around any calls for a ceasefire. Rishi Sunak, he was there and, well, he made a comment and he said it was important that the conflict between Israel and Hamas didn't escalate to the wider Middle East. But the, the interesting thing that I've seen as well is that there are also protests taking place around the Middle East. Exactly. It's not just within Europe or the US. Within the Middle East, you've got people from Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Iraq, Qatar, Yemen, the West Bank. They've all taken to the streets. I think I just saw on Sky News, there was um, a woman, what was her name? Amy Shallan, I think her name is. And she was saying that how people in the UK who have relatives in Palestine, she's saying that people are telling their relatives to spread out and go into different areas to avoid losing their entire families all at once. And it's just like, this is the kind of carnage that we're having to deal with. And it's just... I, don't, I just don't understand why there can't be some sort of resolution now. It can happen. But I just think people just want this war to carry on. I think that's all it is. They want this war to carry on. And it's just a scramble for power. And then when you have people like... When you have governments like the UK and the US who have been systematically fueling this quote-unquote conflict, like, it's just everyone just wants this war to continue to happen. I'm just like devastated every time every time I think about it I haven't really thought about it the way I'm thinking about it now like systematically every time I think about it I'm just like it's just devastating yeah I I'm I, I'm with you I agree with you like I live with that like constant sort of like not in my stomach that like especially after seeing what I saw yesterday realizing that like the world is actually run only by a very small amount of people mm-hmm. the rest of us I just have to deal with those decisions that only a few men make. Mm. And and seeing it yesterday, it's just like, they don't, they're so disconnected from the people. Mm. Like, they are supposed to be our representatives. Like, they are supposed to work for us 
right? Being in that position is supposed to be a privilege, mm. not a right. You're there to serve. Exactly. And actually what we're seeing with a lot of governments around the world, particularly ours, is that, that it's not that way. It's not that way. It's not the way it should be. So when you, so when I do see and I hear Jeremy Corbyn speak, like he, he is to me what a politician should be, like being connected with the people, right. working in the interests of the people, all of the world powers that we see now, every single one of them exists to serve themselves. And when you think about the various conflicts that go on in the world, it always boils down to a few people being in a room, mm-hmm. fighting over something that they all want or fighting to hold on to power and having absolutely no connection to the people. Right. So when we go on a march and we see that actually Jews, Muslims, Christians, black white, young, oh, we're actually all coming together and we're saying, do you know what, actually, no, mm. we don't want this. But looking at the media now, because we're going to go on to like the media, mm. they like to present this narrative that, you know, it's this community against that community. You know, this community is scared of that community. Yeah. And, you know, whereas actually when you actually go out outside and, you know, touch grass, it's not that way. Like <laughs> I spoke to Jewish people yesterday and they are just as furious. They are just as angry. They are just as passionate. Mm. But if I just stayed in my house, and I would think something completely different. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like I think it's, it's I think it's also important to you know condemn hate in in all its forms. Of course it is because it's not one thing that they've been successful at doing is conflating judaism with the israeli government so then you've got yeah. then some you've got then some people because i do think it's important to highlight that a reaction to this isn't now to attack jewish people yeah this is it, this is clearly the israeli government and its occupation of palestine Gaza, mm-hmm. and the west bank that's all it that's all it's about yeah because you have israelis you have jewish people in israel who are like actually we don't support this obviously you've got some Israelis that are in support of what's going on but you do have Israelis in Israel saying look we don't like this either this isn't a representation this isn't a representation of our country and this isn't a representation of what we wanted for this country in the beginning when we were spread all of all over the world because we were highly persecuted at one point and we wanted a land for ourselves that we could call home. So when we came to build this land, what we didn't want is to occupy someone else's land. What we wanted was just a land for ourselves so that we could feel safe. So in essence, it's the argument is really against the Israeli government that is sanctioning this war against Palestine, this occupation of Palestine, the genocide of Palestinians, in order to say, we need a country for ourselves. There's a clear distinction. And I think, you know, when it comes to like the press and the media, even like the BBC, uh, when they first started reporting about uh, pro-Palestinian protesters across the country in the UK, at first they were saying, you know, these protesters were saying that they were backing Hamas. And then two twos now, a few days ago, they've had to do, you know, an apology on the news saying, we reported that protesters across the UK were saying, were backing that they were backing Hamas, and they, I think the phrase that they said was, "This was poorly phrased," and I'm like, "Bitch, it wasn't poorly phrased. It was an absolute lie," because I'm telling you, none of those protesters were talking about Hamas. I'm just aghast at how the media 
is just like we said before in the previous episode, it's just all one-sided. And obviously they're trying to toe the party line as much as they can. But now they're realising, oh, we we were towing this party line a bit too much because, mm-hmm. because now the whole country is like saying, uh, you need to get your facts straight because you're supposed to be the BBC, ITV, LBC, whatever. You're all supposed to be like bastions of like journalism for this country. When in reality, all you're doing is towing a party line because it's all about power. It's not mm-hmm. about it's not about fair journalism. It's not about the truth. It's not about disseminating news and information from across the world so that it's easy for people to, to digest and understand and to give an informed, fair and balanced opinion to people so that they can make their own opinions for themselves. No, you're towing a party line. You're only you're only telling one side of a story because our government has a clear position when it comes to the situation and the position is we are pro-Israeli and we are pro-war against Palestine so of course as news platforms you have to toe that party line but now as people coming together in unity and community are saying bitch you need to relax yourself and now you're coming with these with these um, apologies it's just like you just look like idiots. You look like fools. And like I said before, like in a hundred years' time, the history books will say the BBC was dead out. Mm-hmm. The BBC was done out. Now you've got Channel Four News seems to be like the only the only mainstream news platform that has some relevance of common sense because they've had to go and get a couple of weeks ago. There was um, I think the Israelis released a video of apparently two people from Hamas talking about how they're going to um they're going to bomb Israel but this is when they were bo- this is when the hospital got bombed mm-hmm. and they were saying oh, oh well it doesn't matter that you know the hospital gets bombed because they're in front of us so it doesn't matter and then it came out that the investigation done by channel 4 people had spliced these two conversations together and that these two people in these two different conversations weren't even Palestinian because they analyzed like their dialects and things. Yeah, yeah. And apparently the whole the whole video was kind of like fabricated. So now you've got the BBC and whatever saying, Oh, look at this, you know, it, it was it was the Palestinians, it was Hamas after mm. all. And then you've got the Channel Four now having to do invest having to do actual journalism, real journalism and investigating things and verifying things and verifying sources. It's just like journalists are having to do ABC one, two, three, do re mi journalism again, just so that we can get the truth. And we're we're watching it in real time. Mm-hmm. We're watching our, you know, headline journalists actually n- not do their job properly, not verifying sources, towing a uh, towing a one sided party line, not being fair and objective in their interviewing process like you said before we're like sitting here and we're witnessing it and it's like actually no we're not gonna take it anymore mm-hmm. right you can't like you can't lie to us and it has been really something watching you know seasoned respected journalists who have been in this game for many many years go out like this you think to yourself wow there is there is no journalistic integrity anymore zero because none. these these are these are mature journalists. They've been around for a very long time. 
so they know so they 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 know how the game goes mm. and to see them fold under pressure and to be conducting interviews that to me just drip and smell of racism and Islamophobia mm. has been quite disgusting to watch, particularly after what happened with the bombing of Al Ahil Hospital. Mm. The, oh my God! Just even just just to pause for a second, like that bombing. Like I have been probably watching and consuming probably way too much footage, but at that what, point, <laughs> but at this point, it, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, that in particular when they bombed that hospital, I said to myself. I just sort of sat there and just, you know, when you quietly sob, because mm. I thought to myself, like, okay, there's like a hospital full of, like, they can't go anywhere. Mm. They cannot go anywhere. And the language that's being used, evacuate, all these kind of things. It's like, no, this is a death sentence. Yeah. And there's um, a popular, she's become quite popular since all this happened. She is a copywriter, I think. And mm. she's been breaking down the language being used by the media mm. to trick us into thinking or at least trick us into accepting what's happening. Mm. When you use words like evacuate, open air prison, yeah. conflict, it it almost makes you think that, well, the Israeli government, they tried to warn them, but they didn't move. And on like when I'll get her, um, her at, and then we'll put it down in the description, like watch her videos, like the way she breaks it down, because language is a beautiful thing. I mean, you know that it's exactly what you do. Yeah. Like language is a beautiful thing. And I have said this on my socials that it is a massive duty of media to use language appropriately to use, especially in times like this, right? Mm. And what we've seen with the media is that they have been so reckless in their reporting of what's been going on, that it is a, it directly affects people. And we have seen in the US, a young boy was killed. A young American Palestinian boy was killed because mm. one of the reasons definitely was President Biden with his senile self su suggested that he had seen images of 40 beheaded babies and they had to then do a retraction. Mistakes like this by the media have catastrophic consequences. And usually what happens is this loss of life. Mm. So they all, so it's not just a, oh, we just, oh, mistake, sorry. We, you know, what's the word? Um, misjudgment or we mixed up our words. No, they are outrightly lying. And what we're seeing is years in the making of built up propaganda, mm. presenting to the world the idea that Arabs or Muslim people, they're all inherently dangerous. Right. They're all and this started from like 9-11 days. So let, we don't even need to just focus on what's been happening the last fortnight. We're dealing with decades of propaganda pushing a narrative about Muslim people that is already deeply embedded in a lot of people. Mm. So, well, even, Sorry, carry on. Well, go on. No, I was just going to say, even like there have been like deleted tweets from the prime minister of Israel. And one of them was like, this is a struggle between the children of the light and the children of darkness, between humanity and the law of the jungle. And it's just like... Can you see? Can you not see? He's literally saying that, that the Palestinians are animals. Yep, yep. And and the thing, and I've started to follow a lot more, like I've got a diverse, diverser following base now since this all has happened. And I've actually, loads more people have started to follow me since this has all happened. Mm. And it's exposed me 
um, I've followed a few Jewish people who have tried to separate themselves from a lot of the Zionist rhetoric. Mm. And um, one of the ladies, she did a thread and she said that she or she went to a more progressive synagogue growing up. And even then, a lot of the rhetoric was around reinforcing this narrative that Palestinian people, you know, were dogs. Like, yeah. it's from a very young age, it's instilled in them that they are yeah. less than human. So if you imagine growing up and over time... If you now look at Israel and you see this happening, well, you kind of feel like, well, I mean, they deserve it. And it's been a, it's been systemic. It's been something that has been so. So now what we're seeing with them, with like the popularity of social media and the Internet, that we now have access to unfiltered information. We have access to information that hasn't been edited, that hasn't been doctored. We can get it fresh, live and raw so we can actually see what's happening mm. and and net net was it netanyahu yeah he doesn't like that so Risa, what he's done this week is he's approved regulations that allow temporary shutdown of foreign news channels on grounds of national security even al jazeera i think is going to be part of yeah. that they specifically well. they specifically mentioned al jazeera mm. because Outs, they are really the only one they're only a hand they're one of a handful of reliable news sources that hasn't been tainted by bias mm. they're just reporting it how it is i just think it i just think it's just so disgusting the way like even the language like now when i'm watching interviewers in like a lot of palestinian people are now starting to fight back mm. in the sense that you're interviewing me and you're asking me straight away to condemn Hamas. And then I was watching an interview today with um, Victoria Derbyshire. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she, yeah. She, she was interviewing um, a Palestinian, um, she's a veteran Palestinian politician. Yeah. And then she, she was just like, Victoria was like to her, right, before we you know continue with the interview, can you condemn? And then she was just like, God, not this again. And she went <laughs> on and she said, look, we're not going to do this. We are mm. not going to do this. She was just like, they have been doing this to us for decades. And she was just like, and none of you care. But she was just like, but then something happens to Israel. And then now the whole world wants to cry. Right. And and that isn't to say that what happened to those civilians is, isn't sad. Of course it is. But it's like we said last week, this has been happening to Palestinian people for decades. And there isn't a peep from the Western world. Mm. And, and, and that to me is important for people to understand because if you don't give people the entire story, of course, people are going to be like, well, yeah, of course Israel has a right to defend itself. Because mm. all they're going to think, all they know is that they got attacked on the 7th of October. And they're like, well, yeah, of course they should defend themselves. Yeah. It's like, this has been, the occupation of Palestine has been going on under the radar for 75 years. I'm just thinking, even like thinking about me and myself thinking about this situation. And I'm just like, why didn't I see it before? Do you know mm. what I mean? In school and college, I've had Palestinian friends. Right. And I think one of my friends in college, she, um, I went to her house and she had this rock on her TV. And she was like, yeah, my dad brought this rock back from Palestine because this was like a rock that he, he like threw at a soldier, at, at an Israeli soldier and it hit mm. him in his head. And he ran to the rock and picked it up and took it home because it hit the soldier. And now we we keep it on the the top of the TV uh, as a reminder. Reminder, wow. Reminder of like where we've come from. And I think one of the things that she said to me was that 
they they used to call us stone throwing terrorists like that was the label that they had because obviously as individuals those are the only things that they could use to defend themselves yeah do you know what i mean yeah and it's just like there were like these little snippets of kind of what was going on being like told to me in my life but i just never realized the full scale of it up until maybe like 2021 and i'm just like my whole life i've just been conditioned to like not think about it and it's just purely because we just don't see it in our media do you know what i mean Mm. we have like glimpses of it when when like a like a bomb goes off and it's like in the news for like a week because like i said before i know i know like the gaza strip because it's been in on the news throughout my entire life but I've never really known about the Israeli occupation of Palestine in its fullest until like 2021. And it's just crazy to think that in all of my years being alive, like 40 years, it's only the last few years that I've really kind of been switched on. Yeah. And I think it was probably 2020. Mm. I was kind of switched on to a lot of things from from 2020, like internationally. So things like the, like the NSARS, mm-hmm. just before that kind of like blew up, I was reading about that before and I was like, all my life I have had Nigerian friends. <laughs> I've never known about this up until I think it was like 2020. Mm-hmm. I just found something on Google and I was reading about it and I was like, oh my God, this is this happens. And then it wasn't until like maybe like six or seven months later, everything, everything kind of blew up. Yeah, yeah. So like you, It's just amazing. There are so many things that are going on in the world. And because you live like in the UK... And the UK only talks about a certain set number of things. The news cycle is set up a certain way. So you won't hear anything about what's happening in the Middle East. Because why? Because, you know, we've, we've, we've fueled a lot of the conflict that happens in the Middle East. So obviously, <laughs> obviously, you're not going to hear a newscaster saying, well, new new, new in Palestine, you know, the, the shit that we did 75 years ago. Do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> the broadcast news isn't going to talk about it like that, but it's just. But how wonderful if they, if somebody actually would to have the balls do you to know do what I mean? that, because every Palestinian they interview, they basically want them to condemn themselves. Yeah, and it's just, oh. it's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. But the truth is slowly but surely coming to light. Like what is done in the dark will come into the light eventually, boy, and it's yeah. coming into the light. And we're and we are definitely seeing it, as I say, particularly in the media, when they can't control the narrative anymore. Mm. So when we are watching interviews where like British journalists are interviewing Palestinian people and they are demanding that they basically like qualify their humanity before they speak to them, they are pushing back and they're saying no. And I really enjoyed watching um Hanan Ashraw. So she's the, poli- the Palestinian politician I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she said, I can't believe I'm hearing the same thing over and over again. Israel has been doing this to us for decades. Mm. And she's like, look, Western media is not going to make us condemn ourselves. Because she said, nobody speaks to um, Israelis and says, condemn what you've been doing to the Palestinian people for 75 years. Nobody does that. Like I've seen interviews where they've been interviewing that psychopath, the, the um, Israeli ambassador to the UK, yeah. And she openly uses genocidal language. Nobody questions her. Yeah. Nobody challenges her. In yeah. fact, Labour gave her a standard ovation. Mm. No one 
questions her about the fact that her country right now is committing countless war crimes. Nobody mentions that. Nobody asks them, oh, okay, well, um, do you want to explain how Israel came to be? Like, nobody asks the hard questions to the Israelis, but when it comes to the Palestinians who have been, who are the ones who have been under oppression for decades, they not only have to accept the oppression with a smile, but they're also then expected to condemn themselves. Mm. What what level of colonialism are we in now? Like, I'm, I've lost, like, I've stopped count. Like, where are we now? Mm. Like, not only do you want to colonize me, I have to be happy about it and I have to not complain. Right. That's just mad to me. That's just where we are. But what's interesting is not just the media that are backtracking. We're seeing some politicians backtrack as well. Mm. Um, we can't get into every single politician who has, but most notably Keir Starmer. Mm. When I tell you, I cannot... St- I Look, I've said this already, but I will never vote Labour again while that man is Labour leader. Ever. Get him out. You know, he, he practised as a human rights lawyer. The irony is ironying. <laughs> like... If anybody knows about human rights, it's him. Yeah, it's him. So I want to. I I was like, I want to know who has he been? Rep- who was he representing all these years? Because he was asked a very simple question. Very simple. Oh well, I believe that Israel has the right to defend itself. He re- okay. Does that mean the withholding of water, electricity, food, internet? Well, Israel has the right to defend itself. Yeah, would not condemn the fact that they are committing war crimes. And then days later, when he was facing insurmountable pressure, he somewhat backtracked. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it just, it's it's a shame, just echoing what we said last week about when, we, when um, Muslim Labour members were talking about how they felt. Because one thing he did say when he was trying to retract what he said, he mentioned that Muslim communities had a problem or needed clarification or whatever on what he said and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking it wasn't just the Muslim communities that had a problem with what he said. There were a lot of people. And I think that is very important to highlight that this isn't like a Muslim issue. Like this is a humanity issue. Like people are not honing in on religion here. It's about, look, this, these are human beings. And what I've been glad to see over the last couple of days is that there have been a number of resignations from the Labour Party after his comments. And I think that is the that is the only way that you are, we are going to get the message across. You can't remain in a party where the leader thinks it's okay to endorse war crimes. So in a collective statement, the councillors who resigned, they said, at a time when it's been crucial to call for an immediate ceasefire and de-escalation, and to insist Israel abides by international law, Keir Starmer and the Shadow Foreign Secretary have instead endorsed collective punishment, blockage, siege, and mass civilian casualties. As Starmer has said, Israel has that right to continue deadly attacks on Gazans. This is complicity in war crimes. So they said, in a choice between serving our parties or justice, they have chosen justice. And to me... I have huge respect for any politician or anyone who can stand true to their convictions, who can actually have integrity Mm. and say that is not right. And honestly, the only way that you can get that message across, you have to resign. You cannot remain in a party like that. And I mean, I'll just be honest. A lot of you man should have resigned from that party ages ago. I mean, let's let's be real. Let's be real. Let's (laughs) be honest. No shade. About time. 
at least we're here now. Mm-hmm. We are here now. That's the main thing. At least we're here now. And props to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely props to them because I just, I will always give respect where it's due. And I think that it's one thing to write, you know, your cute statements and whatnot about how it's unacceptable and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, tomorrow you're still there. Right. You you have to take a, you have to take a stand and you need to walk away. And I, I want to see more of that. I want to mm. see more of that. I think it's what I said earlier that like these people who are money hungry, um, bloodthirsty, they, they, it's a privilege to be in that position and they take that position for nothing. Like they just do what they want. And I think actually there needs to be some real consequences when you don't represent the voice of the people, the people need to say that and they need to revolt and they need to say, do you know what? You need to resign. Right. So that's what I think Keir Starmer needs to do. He needs to resign. But we will see what happens with that and we'll see what other backtracks we ha- what happen over the next couple of days. In just moving into a close, right? Because one thing that I have started to notice, um, I feel like the momentum is starting to quiet is starting to get quiet. There was a time where I would I couldn't scroll on Twitter or Instagram without being bombarded with what's happening. Now I'm seeing things shift a little bit and it is getting it is getting quiet. And and the scary thing with things like this is that a lot of the time, like the momentum only stays around for a short amount of time before, you know, everybody just inevitably kind of gets on Mm. with their life. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't get on with your life, but seeing traction slow down and seeing less people post and people are posting less frequently and, but the, the, the number of surviving Palestinians is not, is, is, is decreasing. Like the violence hasn't stopped, you know, the, the, it hasn't slowed down. The bombing hasn't slowed down. So, so we shouldn't, right? But how, how do you think we can balance it? Because on one hand, I'm saying that we shouldn't let up, but I also do understand that our lives have to continue. I mean, I don't know how you can slow down and then go back to normal knowing that a genocide is still happening in real time Mm -hmm. but like for me obviously just disclosing my like mental health situation like I find it this is why I I always take like time off social media why I historically have taken like sometimes even like four to six weeks off of social media because it really does have a negative impact on my mental health um to the point where it's actually debilitating so for me at the moment I I can't bring myself to because you know me on Instagram right Mm. I'm I'm always posting a cute like joke a cute funny story a few kiki and then and then there's you know the social justice stuff in between but at the moment I can't bring myself to post funny stories at the Mm. moment so all I'm doing at the moment is just like sharing stuff about Palestine Mm -hmm. I, I mean I've got to get on with my I've got to get on with my day and I will always continue to, I'll repost like your comments and stuff like that. I will always repost other people's um, comments about uh, what's going on in Palestine and stuff like that. Just so that my mutuals, when they're looking through their feeds, no matter what they're, no matter how many times they go through their feeds, they're going to see something about Palestine. Mm-hmm. So even if they're not posting anything, their feed is still gonna see stuff about what's going on in, in Palestine yeah. and you know what maybe in a few weeks time I may get back to posting like my normal self on Instagram I think on Twitter it's a lot easier to 
post about normal stuff because it's just words. Yeah. But when you're kind of like faced with like images all the time on Instagram, it's kind of hard to like, ah, oh, dead babies. And then, ah, oh, get ready with me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, oh, honestly, it's such a mindfuck. Like, my it's, goodness. It's, for me, it's just really, really weird. Mm. Maybe I can get back to that stage in the future. But at the moment, I'm just trying to focus on my mental health, make sure that I've got moments of joy to kind of balance all of the stuff that I'm seeing on social media. Yeah. Not being afraid to engage with it. Mm-hmm. Because it can be just easy to shut off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like living through the courage of your convictions and just living to your integrity and just being like, do you know what? I feel strongly about this. Yeah. I'm just going to continue to keep engaging. And then I'm going to take time out to make sure that my my mental health is fine. And then come back in, check in, engage with it again. Maybe engage with some lighter things. Maybe post some lighter things. But then keep on engaging with the stuff that's going on in Palestine. It's just like yeah. just trying to keep an even keel and keep mm-hmm. balance so that you're still engaged in what's going on. But you still have capacity to kind of keep your mental battery at like... 80 90 100 percent yeah because it can be tough like continuously posting and continuously seeing those images again and again and again Mm. some people can either be desensitized to it and then just ignore it or they can be which is like how how i am just like totally like fuck up your mental health yeah at the moment like i'm kind of seeing like the last few bombings just like loads of images of like Palestinian babies and like dead babies and stuff like that like that stuff is just like anything to do with sexual assault anything to do with children like it really triggers me Mm. I just can't I just have to scroll past because I can't I just can't deal with that stuff Mm -hmm. but at the same time I know I need to still keep engaging with it because it's really important so I think the key thing is just like finding a balance Mm -hmm. because this is really important this has so many similarities to kind of what we're going through, like in the African diaspora across yep. the world, anti-blackness, you know, white supremacist patriarchy. Everything is linked. And it's just like, if we can just continue the engagement, continue being engaged, continue being informed, continue reading, even if it's not engaging in social media, taking time with social media and then going reading a book about it. So you're still being informed. Mm-hmm. There are like many ways to kind of like keep an even keel and balance within your mental health so you can still be engaged, but still like get up and go to work in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think what you've said, I think is very well said. I agree. Um, definitely the, the, the children is definitely one of my, is definitely my trigger point. Um, I think for me as, as, a, as a human being, but also as a mother, mm. like seeing, seeing that, it it's just really hit me it's i mean i said this at the beginning that you know it's hit me really deeply and very strongly and sometimes i want to look away i don't i haven't been recently and not because i'm intentionally trying to trigger myself but like there are a lot of whether it's journalists or or whoever that are literally living this and they are documenting this for us to see mm. for the world to see like this isn't this isn't some cute day in the life TikTok that you know we're seeing some Israelis do. Yeah. But this is actually like, you know, what we're living with. You need to see this. And that's and I'm and I for me, seeing it keeps it very real in my mind for me. If I ever get if I ever felt I got to the point where I I, you know, I really couldn't, then I mean I'm I'm not I, I wouldn't, but 
there is something that Jeremy Corbyn said yesterday at the, at the march and because we were standing there in the pissing rain like it was just it was just wet like they really ramped up that weather machine yesterday like it was raining blobs of water and he, Jeremy was just like look we're all standing here in the rain but you know it's nothing they are over there and it's raining bullets yeah right it is raining bombs and you know in that very moment you forget the rain yeah you genuinely forget the rain when when i heard that i forgot i was wet i forgot it was cold or whatever and you just think yeah like it's what and life there is what it is and for me seeing it i think it's important that the world doesn't let up Mm. we need to see it some people need to see it because otherwise because we're not the ones going through it sometimes it's hard to like conceptualize things yeah because you're not the one you're not going through it or maybe because you're yourself are not palestinian so you don't feel like it bothers you or do you know what i mean or you're not muslim or you're not arab so you don't know how to connect to something that you don't that doesn't like i guess directly affect you even though this does affect all of us let's critically mm-hmm. think it does when when it concerns humanity it concerns every single person right yeah so for me as a human being as a mother as a daughter, as a Christian, as whatever you, whatever label you want to put on me, it is important that we don't let up. And that's what I'm doing. And we said this last week, but that you can, I agree with everything you said about balancing it. Just because I'm constantly online and sharing, I'm still doing my day-to-day life. Mm. You know, like I still got to get my kids ready for school. I still need to find time to eat. You know, you still need to go to work. Mm. You still need, you, I'm still doing all of that, but some things that I see online when people are like, well, you know, I don't have time, you know? I don't have oh, time. Please, we've got time. If, you, if you've got time to do bag and shoe, bag and shoe, having tables in clubs and stuff like that, if you can be doing all of that, then you can spend 10 minutes engaging on social media. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very sorry. I just can't take it when people say that I don't have time because mm-hmm. we, we all have time. We, we do. all have time. The problem is, is that, some of you don't know how to prioritize it for the right things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you may not even, and, and if you don't think that this is something that you should prioritize, then I think we have a much larger problem right. on our hands because, you know, sometimes when I say things online or whatever, I kind of think, oh God, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But my convictions, um, and what, again, what I spoke about in the beginning is far outweighs, you know, prioritizing anyone's feelings. I'll be, I'll be so real like particularly when I'm speaking about things that I feel very strongly about um you know I'm not going to center your feelings in that particularly when you know what we're dealing with is a much larger issue we're talking about humanity here like I'm not going to center your feelings in that and when I have spoken about you know remaining silent or not saying anything mm. um that is a touchy subject I think for a lot of people mm. um because people are going to come up with all sorts of excuses about why they shouldn't say anything or whatever and I know that a lot of the time people's fear is weaponized. And I think that that, that myth around being called this or being called that, I, I'm, I'm starting to see it slowly fade away. Mm. And that's encouraging to me that I am starting to feel that people aren't as afraid anymore. Yeah, It's just like, well, I mean, look, if you want to call me that, fine, but let's get to this issue of the genocide. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm starting that's to feel cool. like, no, we don't, you can't, no, try a different story. Please try again. We're not doing that again. <laughs> like we're not doing that anymore. Like long for so long, we've been able to weaponize people's fear around being labeled 
or saying the wrong thing. And it's like, no, not anymore. We can all clearly see with our eyes what's going on. So enough of that. So in terms of being able to balance, I think, yeah, Dem's basically said it all. I just think that you need to find, we all prioritize things that are important to us. That's just facts. As adults, we will prioritize things that are important. So if you don't feel that engaging with a genocide is important enough, then I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know what to tell you. Nothing to say, really. If that, I mean, that's your stance, then... I mean, if that's your stance, then that's your stance. I mean, I definitely have been disappointed. Maybe disappointed is the wrong word, but, you know, with a few high-profile people not saying anything, um, because you know that what they're, what they're doing. Mm. You know what they're doing. I don't really care about what celebrities have to say, really. But in terms of, like, people within our community that have high profiles, I'm a bit like... Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, some people I'm a bit disappointed in. But do you know what it is? It's it's the usual thing, isn't it? It's It's about individualism. It's about keeping power. It's about, you know, trying to toe the party line just to not kind of, like, rock the boat and things like that. It's just, like, it's this... Same shit, different day, but it's just really disappointing. I I have been particularly disappointed um, with the church. Mm. And I've made no secret that I have, over some time, have struggled with my faith. Not struggled with my faith, I still believe, but as in I've struggled with organised religion, shall I say. Mm. Or, you know, we, we've been actively trying to, I guess, look for another church or or just really get back into it, right? Um, and that's something I've been quite open about. But for me, I've just been really disappointed with the lack of response and just the silence from the church. I, I, I feel like in times of utter devastation, in times of a humanitarian crisis, in times of darkness, I've always been raised to believe that the church is supposed to be a source of light. It's supposed to be a source of hope. And I think there are so many things that you can do um, as whether it's a Christian or whatever, and you know, you can pray, you can fellowship, you can encourage each other. But I also think there's nothing more powerful than showing up. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, and what I saw yesterday was like, oh God, I'm getting emotional. What I saw yesterday was so powerful. And I thought to myself, they just need to see that we see them. Mm. I can't imagine what it's like to just be in Palestine or to be in Gaza or whatever. And all you hear is bombing. Mm. Like every day, that's all you hear. You've not had a moment's peace. Um, so it's just disappointing for me that I've been raised to believe that the, the church is supposed to be that source of light and hope. And in times when the world needs that, you're silent. Mm. I can't, I can't, my mind can't reconcile with that, that you would just get on go on as normal, like your sermon would just be as any other Sunday or, do you know what I mean? Like you go to church and you, there's no mention of it. Like there are people being slaughtered in the birthplace of what we, th- of what we know as where Jesus was born. Right. And there's no reference to it. Well, for all we know, Jesus was probably Palestinian. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just, I'm, I'm really not trying to sound, what's the word like, I'm not trying to sound holier than thou or self-righteous or like I have all the answers. I just, this is just how I feel. And it's just been very disappointing that there hasn't been that collective or at least any or anything I have seen of, of the church coming together and saying, look, 
and and there doesn't even need to be there shouldn't need to be christian palestinians for them to care but there are christian palestinians i mean christian palestinians got bombs their church one of the the oldest church the oldest church was bombed because they there were so many people in that church because they felt they would be safe right and what the israeli government are telling you is they don't give a shit Right, they don't give a shit where you Muslim, Arab, Christian, whatever. Everybody, everyone can get it basically. As long as you're Palestinian, everyone can get it. So that church was destroyed. And hello, where is the church? Like, so yeah, it it, it has just been very disappointing. Um, and yeah, I don't know where where are you? Where are you guys? Where <laughs> like, are you? I mean, I kind of disbanded from. I know organized religion, particularly the Abrahamic religion. Well. Abrahamic Christianity but I've disbanded from like organized religion like I still have my faith I still have my spiritual practice but I'm just like for me I'm just kind of like not surprised but obviously it's different for you because you like for the last few years you've been actively wanting to get back into you know your practice actively find trying to find the right church for you like actively trying to you know, be in a better place with God as a, as a family as well. And to go through that and then to see this happening, I can only imagine how devastating it is for you because, like you said before, like, we're, like, people of integrity. Like, we're no better than anyone else, but, you know, we have principles and, you know, we kind of want to stick by them. Do you know what I mean? Live by our principles. And so when you're going into an institution where principles and practices are kind of like upheld as like you know a way of life and then to see those principles just kind of like ignored in the face of humanitarian crisis it's just yeah I can just imagine for you it's just like utterly devastating and you probably feel lost because you've kind of found somewhere and now this has happened and it's like "Mm, maybe the place that I thought I'd had and found isn't the place where I should be do you know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. it's like through action you kind through people's actions you kind of like see what the real deal is and like people's mm-hmm. lack of actions actually speaks louder absolutely it just it's a really um it's a really lonely place to be mm. to feel yeah to feel to feel this like I've just been yeah like I just um I, I, I can't, I personally cannot be a part of something. And I'm trying to separate, you know, God or my relationship with God from like the church, like the church. Yeah. Because I'm trying to separate the two. Like I still want to have my relationship with him, but in terms of actually having a physical place to go, to fellowship, to be around others, mm. um, I can't join something that is silent in the face of, you know, yeah, like you just said, a humanitarian crisis. Like you can't, shut the you can't I don't want to shut the door to the world do you know what I mean like I can't do that um and if and I can't be a part of anything that would do that yeah to me one of the most powerful things that you can do as a human being or or as a Christian is to be there for your fellow man Mm. and of course yes we can do that by prayers and whatnot but if they are asking us to show up then we do that Mm. and if you can't do that then I feel that you do the God you serve a disservice, right? Because he spread he he was he spread love, and we we could get into a whole 
episode about maybe somehow some of the stewards of religion don't do that. <laughs> but I just, I'm just very disappointed. I'm disappointed for myself because I really want this. I, I really want to be a part of something, but I can't, I can't join something that just closes its eyes to genocide. Like I can't. And it's like what Messiah said at the end of the last episode, like we're supposed to be stewards of the earth. So you sometimes, not sometimes, you need to let go of the material things and really refocus on what your purpose is, what your higher purpose is on this planet. Mm -hmm. And as stewards of this earth, if we want to take it to a religious context with Christianity, like God created us to be stewards of this earth. God created us to be stewards of the garden, to look after the garden. And in a humanitarian crisis, if you can't look after your own fellow stewards who are trying to help this earth and keep this earth at a peak for your children and your children's children, then in essence, are you the steward that God had intended you to be? And the answer is no. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I I can only hope that as the days go on and stuff like that, you know, people just don't forget because that's just what the scary thing is, is that like, you know, our attention spans are so short um, and people just will get on. And I don't want anyone to think that like, I am criticizing you for just getting on with your life. Yes, please get on with your life. Get on with your life, Um, you have to. (laughs) You have to, I get it. We're all in the same boat. We all have to get on with our lives. But But this is also important. Please make this, please, what I'm saying is please make this a part of your routine. Like, just don't forget because they can't forget. This is their reality and they need us. Mm. And and, and so that's just our plea is just please don't forget the things that they're asking us to do. It's not a lot. It's very simple. It's just raising awareness, educating ourselves, sharing their stories um, keeping Palestinian people at the forefront of everything that's in the media. That's what they're asking us. So please just play your part as much as you can. Right. We went over time today. Um, way over time. Way over time. Wow, you guys are lucky. Bonus episode today. Um, but all jokes aside, I, d- I don't know how long we're going to be talking about this. I mean, I think for as long as we need to, I guess. We're just going to play it by ear, play it week by week. And as always, there's... All the information that you need, we'll just copy and paste from last week. But I guess all of the social media accounts that you should be following, the charities, the verified charities that you can donate to, to help the people of Gaza. And also, let's not forget, it's not just the people of Gaza who are being bombed and terrorised. They are also being targeted in the West Bank. Mm. And Hamas don't operate in the West Bank. Yeah. They have no jurisdiction over the West Bank. So that just tells you that this doesn't have anything to do with Hamas. This is a genocide. Mm. So all of that information will be in the description below. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it from from me this week. Dems, have we got anything else to share before um, Oh yeah, shout out to all of the people that have been leaving oh, yeah. comments on Spotify. Yes. So on Spotify, you can leave comments and... Sometimes we've put up polls and people have like interacted with the polls and stuff. So shout out to um, Paula Green that said that I think the episode that she was listening to was episode 13. She said that amazing and insightful commentary as always. As someone who isn't a mother myself, it's interesting hearing different perspectives of motherhood as well as diverse range of experiences. 
Um, shout out to Deborah as well, who listened to the Free Palestine episode, the previous episode. She said, brilliant episode. Every week you're showing Ray the range that you have. Thank you very much, Deborah. Um, yeah, just like if you're listening on Spotify, please like engage in the comments. Let us know if you've enjoyed the episode. Let us know if you've got any comments about, you know, what you'd like to hear from us in the future. Yeah, just get involved. Get involved and mm-hmm. comment. We really like seeing your comments. Oh, we love it so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for engaging with it. It it, it means so much to me, so much to us to just know that you're listening and you're engaging and yeah, everything that Dem said, like just I echo that. Thank you, thank you so much. So yeah, um we're gonna about we're about to go into a new week. So take care of yourselves, everyone. Um, as I said, please, please. Even if it's just once a day, just reshare a post or something, whatever you can do. But um, today, tomorrow, forever, it is free Palestine. Free Palestine. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Bye. Bye.